weekly talk radio show for TV and movie lovers. I'm your lady host, Sonia Stanger, and I'm joined as always by my co-hosts, fast-talking caffeine addict and codependent single mother, Sean Dunham, and mm-hmm. the harshest judge mm-hmm. on American Idol, Jeremy Leguie. Hi, boys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a no from me, dog. That is not the harshest judge. <laughs> no, Randy's so nice. Yeah, no, I think I think Randy... Okay, to be clear, I don't actually know what I'm talking about, but I think Randy, like, he hurts when you get home. You know, he mm. says stuff, and you're like, thank you for that feedback, and then you get home, and you're like, God, I am wasting my life. Oh, I yeah. disappointed That's... Randy. Yeah. The sting of a Randy Jackson burn. <laughs> it, do- it doesn't get much deeper than that. Maybe a Michael Jackson, but... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, as everyone can tell from this opening dialogue on American Idol, last week we started an epic decade-by-decade journey back through the last century of film by looking at the 2010s. And this week, it's a new millennium, y'all. We're talking, of course, about the 2000s. The naughties, if you will. Chunky highlights. Low-rise jeans. The Blackberry. The explosion of the internet. A global recession. Maybe it's because this is the decade where I achieve true sentience, but I see the odds as a turning point in a lot of ways, and I think that includes cinema. And I'm interested to hear what you guys think. Now, as always, a spoiler alert is in full effect. You just might find out that Ross was Monica's first kiss, which is honestly just the tip of the friend's problematic iceberg. Uh, (laughs) That being said, gents, let's get into it. So... Just an easy softball first question. Um, mm-hmm. What are your f- some of your favorite movies from this entire decade? <laughs> wow. Okay, first it's of all, usual. I didn't watch Friends, and I did not know this about the kiss, and that's that's a shock to me. It was an hear. accident, to be clear. Was, he yeah. thought he was kissing Rachel, mm-hmm. and Monica didn't know it was him. They find out in one of the episodes that they kissed each other. But honestly, there were moments all throughout the show that were kind of weird moments between those two. I don't know. Siblings that are the same age, it weirds me out. Mm. Sorry about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> twins. <laughs> Sorry to all twins. Um, okay, I'll talk about one of my very favorite films. It is, uh, well, yeah. It is Moulin Rouge. It's directed by Baz Luhrmann. <laughs> it mm-hmm. is, it was not nominated for best picture nor best director which in retrospect to me i feel like is a snub because Mm. name a more like visually iconic uh film especially at that time like i was Mm. i was the kid that was like you know the way that he was mixing pop songs and stuff and it sort of uh like literally blew my mind um you know elephant song medley is my jam and all that um yeah, it's just like it's very frantic. It's psychotically edited. It is just very, very fun. Yeah. And I found out today that Courtney Love was uh, almost going to play Satine, but she did not. Ooh. And she holds a big grudge to this day. And that was the only reason she signed off on um, Smells Like Teen Spirit to be used in the film. And then in the end, they didn't actually cast her, and she was not happy. <gasps> and she her. holds it against Nicole Kidman to this day. Well, I, I, uh, that, that, was, that might have been the right call. I'm, gonna, I'm not, <laughs> you know, I'm not sure which side of history we should be on here, but uh, um, I think in a, I, an alternate universe, I would love to see what she could have done, but same. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if it's up to snuff. Yeah, it's like it's a little hard to imagine the like dramatic dying of consumption scenes mm-hmm. with Courtney Love, to be honest, mm-hmm. um, or even I her just like. This- trapeze work (laughs) yeah uh i didn't see this movie until like oh my god you guys like 2012 or something like way later than it had ever Mm. and uh i remember tons of people talking about it like i remember it being uh and i remember being like a cool dude who was just uninterested in such things um but uh i remember watching it and thinking like First of all, it's incredible. Like it, it is nuts. It is absolutely nuts. But um, I, I don't know that. Like I don't know what you guys call the like pop 
reference to music mixtape yeah. thing. Um, but it is like amazing in that regard. Like mm. to have that assemblage of music the way it was done, you know, and then just all the star power behind it that you can give it. Like it's it's nuts. And it, I think we, I, we've probably watched that in the past two years and it looks, it still looks great. It like looks there's great, no, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, it really holds up. I should rewatch it again, but yeah, like I'm sure if I watched it in 2012 for the first time, I also would be like, what is this pop culture trash? But, <laughs> at the t- you know, when I was like grade nine or whatever, it was very influential. And do I listen to some of the songs? Like to this day, I do, and so you should. So you oh should. yeah, I think I think the summer between like grade eight and grade nine, friend of the show Tatum Lawler and I watched that movie like once a week or something. Like it was absurd. Um, we and they they have a musical of Mulan Rouge the musical, and unfortunately, mm. the music is kind of trash, and it's not as good Ugh. as the OG. Do they have to like like? Right? Did they write everything anew, or I think they had. I think they had to, yeah, refigure some things. Mm. Yeah, because license-wise, like that would be crazy expensive. That would be very crazy. Yeah. Um, and also, I found out that "Come What May," which is the end song, is the only original song. Uh, mm. It was written for Romeo and Juliet, but they didn't end up using it. Wow! Oh, oh my god! And so they put it in that instead, and that's and it was not eligible for an Oscar that year because. Uh, it was not created for that film or some, you know, some weird, no. weird little thing. Mm. But that's crazy. That song slaps the hardest. Oh my it god, the Oscars are so hard. Jeez. Completely slaps hard. Jer, Jer, what are so some hard. of your faves? Uh, let's just run to the other end of the spectrum. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm good. Like, I'm gonna talk about some favorite movies over the course of this show. Some are like bad movies that are genuinely accepted to be bad. Um, I, I think that Will Ferrell's Land of the Lost is my favorite movie from this. Wow. And, and no one seems to like it because there, at the time there was this huge, like, uh, idea that it was a kid's movie. Mm. I literally um, don't even know what you're talking about. I've never it, heard of it, it is. So, so it's, it's, it's one of those movies where they took an old show and made it into a movie like Skarsky and Hutch and mm-hmm. other ones I can't think of right now. But, <laughs> yeah. um, um. Will Ferrell plays this scientist named Dr. Rick Marshall who has figured out how to travel to other dimensions and he goes to test it and he has, uh, I can't remember her name. Her name's Holly in the movie, but, uh, he has like a lab assistant who's very pretty and like the only person in the world who believes his work. And then, um, they go to this like weird cave thing and find this place to an alternate dimension. It is so... Like, it's a Will Ferrell movie, like, I'll put it in that umbrella, but it is so funny, Danny McBride's there, uh, Yorma Tacombe, is that how you say his name, plays a monkey, like, it, it's, it's so crazy, it shouldn't work, it's so dumb, I, I am a 32-year-old man, and I watched this week, and I laughed throughout the entire thing, because <laughs> each joke just gets me, and I don't know why, like, I under, like, I know it's stupid, but it's just so good. And uh, I remember nobody liking this movie. I remember absolutely everyone hating it. Well, yeah, we'll talk about Battlefield Earth in a bit. But um, <laughs> yeah, everyone just hated this movie a lot. And uh, it's I still think it's so fun. You guys, I think it's I so I feel like fun. that's all I ever heard was that it was terrible. So maybe I'll try it, Jer. Oh, my God. It's just, it, I like, I know what I'm doing. When I, I re, uh, there's a bit of shame there. It's 1%. One percent shame, ninety nine percent, ninety nine percent utter enjoyment. But um, God, yeah, I, th- <laughs> I think it's my favorite. Listen, think- a little healthy dose of shame every now and then. No, I'm just kidding. I actually don't think shame is that productive. But um, speaking mm-hmm. of shame, there oh. are so many movies that I feel were kind of like formative to my life and personality. Mm-hmm. From this period, of which I, many of which I am somewhat ashamed. Um, the like rom coms slash chick flicks, so called category alone, like, oh, I might padded. just speed read the list to you. 
Just because I don't know how yep. to. All right. Twilight. Hitch. The, Hitch the notebook. Oh, no. Right. <laughs> listeners, listeners should listen to our Twilight episode if you want us to go. Yes. Now, listen, I, I have end. to say, I'm prefacing this. These are not un, unequivocal, you know? Like, I know there are problems with many movies on this list. Yeah. Just know I know. You're, you're, saying, that, you're saying that these are important to you. That's, that's, yes. that's what that's this is. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. My Big Fat Greek yeah. Wedding. Uh-huh. Sister mm-hmm. Out of the Traveling Solid. Pants. The Devil Wears Prada. Bridget Jones' Diary, Mean Girls, Moulin Rouge, uh, Princess Diaries, 500 Days of Summer. That one's embarrassing. Freaky Friday, (laughs) How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, Bring It On, 13 Going on 30, the 2005 adaptation of Pride and Prejudice, She's the Man, Down with Love, Kate and Leopold, 27 Dresses, and to round it out, A Cinderella Story. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I think I've seen all of them. I have seen I'm happy. I'm happy to hear that. I'm sure you loved every minute. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, there, there is like a a two thousands rom com thing though. Like, there, there like is. it is a, a it is a moment, and you know to say it's not would be crazy. But yeah. uh, I just saw when you were reading that. I just saw like. 50 DVD covers with a man and woman standing back to back with arms crossed. Exactly. Yep. And they're all white. Yeah. Like there, there mm-hmm. were some iconic black rom-coms of the era, but I feel like it was overwhelmingly very white. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I feel like those were a lot of the movies that I loved first, you know, and then I got mm-hmm. some more taste as I grew, but like, Oh man, like she's the man. Are you kidding me? I I'll never stop talking about that movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and we wish um, Amanda Bynes f- the best. Yes, we do. We wish <laughs> we we wish Amanda Bynes well. Um, any <laughs> other faves that you guys want to talk about? Sure. Jeremy, mm-hmm. huh? do you want to go first? You go first. You go first. Um. Well, I also. Chicago is another one. You might see a theme. Mm. Um, uh, a musical adaptation to film was something that was new for me. And actually in the 2000s, I feel like people did it very well as uh, yeah. as opposed to the decade after, which I feel like people really blundered. Honestly, in the last couple of years, it's just been any time there's a musical adaptation to movie, I'm like, oh God, please. And it's, I'm usually mm-hmm. right. Um, movie I liked from movies I liked from this era Inglorious Bass Beast Stars mm. <laughs> I still but we don't know where we stand on saying that we word. still don't know nope <laughs> we're not sure um and oh and honestly um a little film called Erin Brockovich from the year 2000 oh, yes. so she like just got in Under the Wire but it's uh it just um julia roberts is so good she's effervescent she's cranky she's she's Mm -hmm. dusty she's sexy Mm -hmm. she has some great she delivers the best speeches um just like her numbers one i love the one about uh two left feet in effing ugly shoes you know (laughs) i could i could say all of these Mm -hmm. anyway that's like I, I remember watching that just like over and over and over. So good. Oh, so good. Um, I've, I've talked about it on the show before, but uh, Runaway Jury is another just really great movie kind of out of nowhere about a, um, a, a gun trial in the South with John Cusack and G- Gene Hackman and Rachel Wise and Dustin Hoffman and, 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 um, and it's just like a, it's, Every once in a while, there's sort of a crazy movie that, like, who knows where it came from, and maybe someone's been working on it, but it's just, like, incredibly well cast, incredibly well done, and the whole time, you're just like, this is a great movie. Um, I do have to talk about Gladiator, Mm. because I feel like Gladiator was, like, the line, like, after Gladiator, everything started becoming super digital. There's a lot of digital stuff in Gladiator. People died and they inserted them digitally. All the crowd, like all that was fake. And I think that that was like the, like the real, like you can have a successful Hollywood drama. That's going to win awards with all these digital things. Yeah. And, um, uh, I watched this week, you know, it still holds up. 
it's kind of crazy to see Russell Crowe's uh, physical journey from where he was to where he is now. Oh, yeah. But, uh, there, I, Russell. I, I, but I wonder, like, I, you know, I think he should take on a dramatic role of that intensity again, because I think he's still there. Like, I, I think all that's still there. But it, it's just kind of a little shocking. Uh, anyway, besides the point, <laughs> um, it is really incredible. Like, it is... There's so much going on. They have like full on battle scenes with what I assume are all humans and horses and all of these, you know, crazy things. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix is just maybe more scary with time (laughs) (laughs) as the villain. And um, yeah, no, it's it just it just holds up. It's just super Mm. good. It's just just so good. Um, Yeah. Um, one of the movies that really stands out for me from this period that I feel like is one of the first, like, really good movies that I absolutely love, um, was Little Miss Sunshine. So, mm-hmm. you know, Abigail Breslin's breakout, Paul Dano, one of his first big movies, such an all-star cast, and just, like, such a, such a heartwarming movie at the same time as being really dark. And I think, mm-hmm. I think that was one of the first movies I really connected to that I was like, oh, it can be, like, more than one thing, you know? Like, it doesn't it, it doesn't mm-hmm. always have to be as simple. And, I mean, Alan Arkin as the grandpa is just, like, oh, it's he's so great in that role. And Al- Abigail Breslin's so good. And there's, like, I just don't know that there's anything more triumphant than when she gets up there and starts doing her absolutely inappropriate dance. Like, <laughs> it's just one of the best things. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, and also, honorable mention to Amelie, one of my favorite movies, also oh, yeah. of this period. Here we go. Um, oh, nice. Any other any other favorites before we move on to our next question that we want to talk about? Mm, Hearing well, probably, that. but no, <laughs> we can okay. We'll, let's, we can let's let it arise yeah. naturally. Yeah. Now, I think it would be fair to say that this was also an era of some flops. You know, one or two, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Really. Um, oh, what yeah. would you say are some of the worst movies of this decade? Well, we might remember a little film called Crash. Oh, we might. Mm. Um, Crash was a Best Picture nom- winner. Uh, I think mm. it was uh, the cheapest film that has ever won. If I'm remembering this correctly, mm, and it is, it's like I want. I've only watched maybe two, like once, maybe. Mm-hmm. It's just a. It's a. You know, I feel like they think it's a very cleverly storytelling, yeah. like stories woven in between each other. Mm. Um, it's about race relations in America. It's pretty shallow portrayals of a lot of it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. also, yeah, like it's a it's a race movie for what for white people, kind of. Yeah, <laughs> and there is, yes, it I, is. I, I like this year maybe Tandaway Newton was talking about when she filmed. There's like a scene where she gets like molested by a police officer in front of her husband. Yeah, and she said that the director was like, "You don't need to wear or like I don't want you to wear any like protective underwear or anything because it'll be like real or whatever." And oh. I was like, "What a gross." Just a gross little aside. How's that not put, a crime? To put your actress through. Hey. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's There's a good some, choice. Every while you hear about something like that, that's just like, Ugh. yeah. Um, I, 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 well, yeah, well, I'll, I'll go on record. I hate Crash. I hated it when it came out. I remember thinking this was complete garbage, and then it was like up for Oscars, and maybe that's where this whole anti-oscar jeremy thing started i don't know but i was like that's this is this it is started bogus. there um yeah my movie is one of the most hated movies of all time that i still really enjoy oh. uh, i've talked about it on the show before it's of course john travolta's battlefield earth um <laughs> based on the novel written by uh, our lord and savior savior xenu um <laughs> uh i don't know why I like this movie, you guys. I don't I get it. I don't do. know. It, it's I a watch problem. It. I watch it. I know it's bad. Do you want me to it audit does, you? It, 
Maybe. Try to get <laughs> try to get these thoughts out <laughs> while I watch while I watch the movie. Yeah. Um, I just think it's so crazy and so over the top and so nonsensical. It reminds me of like a very well. It was written obviously, but it reminds me of like these '80s sci-fi movies that sucked mm. that I also enjoy quite a bit. But this one was supposed to be like John Travolta's big comeback. And the fact that it didn't work makes me happy as well. Like, it, like it's just all these factors. Honestly, the um, fact that you said that it was made in this decade, or in the 2000s, shocked me. Because I also thought it, I thought it was from late 80s, early 90s. Yeah, no. It's, uh, I don't know. It's, a, it's, it's, I know it's bad. I'll admit that it's bad. I mean, when, like, we should record a thing while we watch it. That's Honestly, yeah, that would be fun. Like, like if you want to, yeah, we should, and I would love, I would love to be in the costume with the like as the, the John Travolta character. He's just like with a giant forehead. He's got this huge head, head to forehead, uh, uh, the, cables for hair sort of thing. There, there's this really great thing that I don't think you guys know, and that's that the aliens are much bigger than the humans by like three feet. So they do a lot of trick photography where Barry Pepper's super little and John Travolta's super big. And, like, he'll grab Barry Pepper and then it'll cut to, like, this clearly fake giant hand that's grabbing, like, all of Barry Pepper's torso. Yeah, it's nuts. It's nuts. It makes no sense. It's great. It's absolutely... They get Barry Pepper a booster seat at one point so he can sit in a chair made for the big aliens. So good. Oh, God. (laughs) And for, right, to, what <laughs> to what end? To what end? To what end? Yeah. Listeners, Great the question, amount of Sean. visual shame I'm getting is probably is probably what I should get, but it's a lot. It's a lot. No, Listen, honestly. We, Jared, I, we love you, and you'll get through this. Yeah. I'm, I, I am in favor of watching it and creating an audio Same. track. We'll put this on the, on the docket. Mm-hmm. Great. I'll have to get done um, for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I I thought about taking the easy way out for this question and talking a bit about the room mm-hmm. of two thousand. Yeah, it's on my list as well. But yeah. you know, we did a whole episode on that. We did a we did a listen through mm-hmm. track. Listeners can go back to our podcast feed and find that. Um, it was very extremely fun, and honestly, that's one of those movies that really goes full circle because it becomes really fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Another movie that I feel is kind of in that category, but I would say is less fun, is The Wicker Man. Oh, oh yeah, for sure. With Nick Cage. Um, this mm-hmm. is one that I saw for the first time at Talkies, and I think I was actually doing Talkies, maybe. Like, I was on the microphone, and so <laughs> had to react to it live. <laughs> and you know what? <laughs> I knew that the bees were coming, but it, it I still was not prepared mm-hmm. for that one. <laughs> I think I saw this in theater. Wow, wow, wow. Um, Do you I guys agree I, that it's one of the worst? It is. I remember there's like a a speech about mead that really stuck out to me. Just <laughs> a woman explaining what mead is for like a long time. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, this here is mead. <laughs> uh, this will be a blast from the... I believe I watched this on Max TV like... Uh, like on their movie channels where you still had to wait till like it started at seven, right? Like there was another movie and then you had to wait uh-huh. till the next movie. Uh-huh. Um, and I remember being very confused because it's kind of him just walking around for a while. Yeah. And there's some scenes to like allude to this like thriller element, but then the ending is just so abrupt. And, you know, all your, that was like in the, the pre-internet, like, that would have been... It was memed super hard, of course. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, had it come out, you know, in the now, it would have been moment by moment. Like, they would have torn yeah. that thing up for every bit of juice it had. Just yeah. um, squeeze every drop of meat out of that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I kind of... Yeah. Do I like that movie? Maybe. I don't want to watch it. Yeah, like, yeah. that's the thing, right? It's, like, fun to laugh about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he, you know, like Nick goes. He goes there. He, he does. His eyes pop out of his head. <laughs> <laughs> he, he really do. He, he goes. 
Yeah, I think it's at the he bar. He punches a what... woman. <laughs> he punches a barkeep. Oh yeah, he does. He fully does. <laughs> It it does set the bar for what a Nick Cage movie is, right? Like, that's the end of some spectrum of Nick Cage-ness or something. Um, yeah. The Wicker Man. Yeah. Yeah, like, if you want to go from, like, um, what's the one where he plays the Cher's lover with the one hand? Oh, <laughs> uh, Moonstruck? Moonstruck? Yeah, if Moonstruck? you go, from, I, like, from Moonstruck to, like, a Wicker Man, in terms of sort of... Do- He's got range. Yeah. He's got range. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, with that, it is time now for us to uh, pause our iPods, practice our T9, and hear a word from our sponsors. We'll be right back with uh, more spoiler alert here on 91.3 FM CJTR Regina Community Radio, tuned into the community. Welcome back to Spoiler Alert. We are going to get back to talking about the 2000s in just a minute. But first, um... Do you guys know like what time it is or what day like it is? Three in the afternoon ish. It's game time, people. Wham 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 wham. For those who don't know, or if you're just tuning in, the game is where I spend a little bit of time this week looking for a title related to a topic that these two have not seen. I tell them the title. They tell me what they think it's about. I tell them what it's really about. You guys, are you ready to play the game? Uh huh. I am. Mm hmm. This week's title oh, is Clock Stoppers. That title again, Clock Stopper. Clock Stoppers. Now I'm going to give you a hint. Mm-hmm. Clock Stoppers is one word. Okay. It's not clocks. It's not. It's, not, it's, it's, it's not. It's not two words. It's one word. Clock Stoppers. It's not mm. Clock Stoppers. No, Clock Stoppers. It's not Clo. Stoppers. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Yes. Thank you for clarifying. We just needed to clear it up. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, I believe that this is a obviously 2000s film about a little gang of um robbers, bank robbers, and they have a they have a machine that sets off an electronic pulse that stops all clocks in a ver- in a small radius and providing the vaults that are on timers to just Ooh. open right up and then they slip in and they steal the, <sighs> the moolah. Um, and it's going very well, except for the main, one of the main bank robbers is falling in love with a woman that works <gasps> at a bank. Oh, no. And she starts to figure it out. And he's like, should I get out of the game? And then they're like, we have one more clock to stop. Uh, and before you get out of the game and obviously things go awry. Wow. Okay. Wow. Thank so, you. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Okay, thank you, thank you, uh, Sonia. Clock stoppers. Okay, um, I think that this is about um a, a um a group of supernatural beings, they're spirits of the sort, that are responsible mm-hmm. for speeding up and slowing down time relative to what the the people around them are experiencing. So, for example, like, mm-hmm. you're in class, it's the last class of the semester before summer break, nothing is going slower than that clock. And that is actually no. because a little clock you... stopper spirit is there <laughs> making that happen. I love that. You got a clock yeah. stopper in the room. Wow. Yeah, okay. exactly. And so, it's being, you know, being a 2000s film, I'm going to say, like, a kid at school discovers them and then it's a whole thing of like him having to help them with some problem that threatens their very existence, um, mm-hmm. and then of course everyone's happy at the end. Okay, all right, wow, thank you, thank you both, thank you both so much. Um, this may be the first instance where you're you're both wrong, so that's good. Oh, um, okay. but this, good. this may be the first instance that had you teamed up with your ideas, <gasps> you may have landed on uh, clock stoppers. Um, Clock stoppers uh, with the tagline, what if you had the power to stop time? Question mark. Um, <laughs> is, I would take so many naps. Uh, oh my God. Well, there you go. Uh, it's from 2002, uh, di- directed by, I can't know, I don't know if it's saying his name correctly, Jonathan Frakes, who uh, is Commander Riker from Star Trek Next, Next Generation. Uh, and it's not surprising why his. Uh, his um, Directing career did not really continue from Clock Stoppers, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> it's, of course, a Jesse Bradford, Paula Garcia, 
Garcia's um, comedy. You know who both these people are, even if you don't know their names. You've seen them thousands of times. Um, Clockstoppers is about, uh, he plays the son of a scientist who figures out how to make a watch that stops time. And uh, they will stop time and go through a whole bunch of shenanigans right before curfew, all that kind of stuff, and mess with people a lot. Um, but then the villain comes in, of course, played by French Stewart. Oh. <laughs> Which is that shocking. Is a, that that yeah. dates it. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, it's kind of just a crazy adventure teen movie about people who can stop time. And uh, there's some very real-time-based ramifications that occur in this movie. Um, if you've not seen Clockstoppers, do yourself a favor. Watch the trailer and leave it at that. Uh, <laughs> okay, good. I thought you were going to suggest it, and I was like, oh. Uh, thank you guys so, so much for playing so. the game. Thank you, Jared. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, so we're talking about the first decade of this millennium. Um on our little survey through history. Uh, is there anything from this decade that you feel like you missed that you watched this week or you regret not having seen? Um, what did you guys watch this week? Slash also what I just said. <laughs> um, so for me, this is a film that everyone talks about all the time. The Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou. Ooh, and yeah. I've never seen it before. Oh, yeah. oh man. I don't That's know right. why. It just has never crossed my path. So this, this week I decided to watch it. Um, Kate Blanchett is amazing. She has this like transatlantic accent. Um, Jeff Goldblum is in it as the sort of antagonist, but not really. He has like a a crew of handsome sailors. Uh, he is self described as part gay. <laughs> um, Same. It's like it's a very just like you know Bill Murray's character Steve Zissou is. Very unlikable, but a lot of people do like him, or like he assembles a crew that are very devoted to him. Um, there are parts that are very beautiful. The end when they're all sitting on the submarine, um, I it was a very nice scene when they mm-hmm. all sort of touch him to support him, touch his arm, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and but obviously a lot of other characters are given pretty short shrift. There's like an entire submarine of people that you're just like don't really know much about but are in every scene mm-hmm. um but anyway yeah i i guess it technically flopped but i think mm-hmm. in in the coming in the last in the years since people have regarded it more of a cult film and a lot of people uh, watch it since but it's, yeah it was my first time seeing it and well, I, interesting, yeah. I think i enjoyed it it had a very nice wes anderson uh the ship, the submarine is split in half, or this boat, and he, as he shows, like where everyone goes and what they do in the ship, and that was very, that was very beautiful. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I, like I this, yeah, yeah, and the Life Aquatic is, yeah, it's, it's quite good, quite, quite, mm-hmm. quite. Um, uh, quite. This, this is not a thing I missed out on, but I feel like it's a thing that I, I don't really get why it was so popular. Uh, Sonia, I don't know if this is upcoming on your list or not. It was a pretty big moment. It's a small movie, uh, small cast, small crew, called Avatar. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you've um, heard of it. Yeah, that joke never gets old. I mean, you guys, like, Avatar's okay. I I assume you both have seen it. Yeah, Yeah, once. Yeah. There is like three more sequels in the canon. Or I think it's five. Yeah, allegedly. Five. Yeah. Um uh, maybe even more. Yeah. But uh I I like I remember people change like saying that their favorite movie was Avatar after seeing Avatar. And I was like, first of all, that's wrong. Like that's not a, like you need mm-hmm. a month to really decide that. But you know, secondly, like they they digitally create recreated Steve Rogers in a bunch of Avengers movie and they didn't even mention it. So like why is this whole cart yeah, I don't know. I don't I just don't get it. I just never this is okay. I mean I like know. visually at the time it was pretty stunning, I would say. Like 
it looked it looked in well i don't know it's i think it's hard not to be colored by the narrative that we've had since of like Mm -hmm. how groundbreaking it was visually because that's kind of what i remember i remember being like yeah this is very pretty to look at Mm -hmm. um did you see it? In is 3D? it a story we need to retell? I saw it actually on a 3D TV. I was house sitting for oh. someone. Okay. And that's what made me decide to watch it. Like, I think maybe house two years after Richie. it came out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cause I have not seen it in theater. Mm-hmm. And maybe Same. that would, maybe that would maybe color my impression of it. I just saw it on a normal TV in a normal <laughs> house, <laughs> but I was not house sitting. And um, and I was very like, whatever. Yeah, I th- I think mm. the question that we have to ask ourselves when we watch Avatar is, did it do anything that the Page Master didn't do? Did it do it better? <laughs> Absolutely. Technically, yes. Yeah. Yes, it did. WWPM. <laughs> what would Page Master do? <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was just like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm curious to see what these new sequels are am i excited no was i interested to hear that kate winslet can hold her breath for like nine minutes yes that's very interesting i hadn't heard that they apparently whilst filming she was training to hold her breath because there's a lot of underwater scenes and she can hold her breath for like nine minutes is that even possible that's crazy kate winslet she's very well she got all that practice at that time with the titanic she is never she's never underwater i know <laughs> I, it didn't really make sense but i just went for it um <laughs> i finally watched a movie this week that i feel like people have been telling me about forever um i actually think you jared talked about it on one of our very first episodes on our comic book episode mm-hmm. um which is ghost world and I, ghost world? Ghost world, I had never seen it I was expecting to really like it, and I honestly didn't love it. Mm. Um, I sort of just... Okay, to be fair, I feel like maybe I didn't quite get it. Um, I feel like maybe watching it for the first time in the year 2021, when I feel like the sort of irony culture, sarcasm, like that that teen angst, ennui being sarcastic about Mm -hmm. everything I think has been so overdone to this point that it's like, that's not fresh anymore. It doesn't feel like, you know, it it doesn't feel particularly interesting anymore. And I was very put off, honestly, by both of their characters, Becky and Edith from the beginning. So it's Thora Birch and Scarlett Johansson, both quite young. Um, I liked the aesthetic of the movie. I understand, I think, the way that it was sort of a commentary on that liminal space between being a teenager and an adult and, um, you know, sort of drifting apart from a friend who's maybe more easily merging onto that sort of capitalist working adult path. You know, I think there's definitely some like capitalist alienation commentary going on. Um, Mm -hmm. And some, you know, like I, I think it's grappling with like, you know, frustrated sexuality at that age, but I really don't understand the the romance with Steve Buscemi's character. Like, yeah, <laughs> I just fair. I I I didn't think it was particularly interesting. I didn't really like the way it sort of played into this like Lolita stereotype, where the movie sort of positions him as not taking any action like she is the one who always moves things forward and he sort of but it's like he's still fundamentally the adult in that situation who's like 25 years older than her and he's still like making the choice to sort of let that relationship develop and then clearly once it does develop he like admits that he's wanted it to happen the whole time and I feel like you know it's a commentary on like his emotional stuntedness relative to her I just I don't know, you guys. I felt like the whole time I was like, what are you trying to tell me? And I couldn't quite parse it. Is there yeah. something I'm missing? I I think you got it. Like, I think that's I think yeah. that's the... I don't know. I have not seen this movie in a very long time. Um, mm. But uh, I, from what I can recall, like, I, I think that's sort of the... And there is sort of like a post-grunge existence 
Mm. that I feel like I don't really identify with because I think I was too young when it was happening. And I I was I was actually this I, I don't know I'm gonna bring this up, I don't know if it ties into, but I was like, where did all those hipsters go? Like what like I know like I know what happened to all the emos. Like I know what happened to most mm. of them. But I don't know where and like they did they go to an island? I don't know. I don't I don't where any I think they all became are. yuppies. The Gen X community is still with us. <laughs> yeah, they're yuppies but, and they they're the ones who have all the property, Jeremy. <laughs> Them and the boomers. Well, it's, I don't know about that. But um yeah, I I kind of maybe that's what Ghost World was a generation ago. Like yeah. maybe? I don't know. Uh I should be watching. Like I yeah, I think that maybe at the time it would have been like perhaps a little more groundbreaking. But yeah, I I don't remember her relationship with Steve Buscemi. I kind of, in my remembrance of it, it was her sort of, um, her being obsessed with him and him not really knowing. Like, I thought he was a co-worker or something, but but I also haven't seen it in years, so uh, mm. I'm not surprised that I'm probably misremembering it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. When I feel like it's one of those things, too, that we've kind of become more aware of and started talking about more in film, like these... The way that it's just so normal for there to be like a, in this case, like an 18-year-old girl and like Mm -hmm. a 40-year-old man. Like, I mean, that's still literally par for the course in real life for men in Hollywood. So it's not like it's, you know, so shocking. But it is just one of those things where I'm like, why is this what's driving the narrative forward? Like, why? Like, it takes Mm. up so much of the movie also. I was like, I want to know more about their friendship. Anyway, we've talked about this for a while. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but ghost world it's a it's a complicated early 2000s movie um yeah okay uh how i have a question for you we're gonna pull back the curtain a little bit do you both feel like you have a bit to say for what you're watching today uh we can no i do not <laughs> i can I can, Jer, talk how... I can I can talk as much as we want so it's fine Okay. Well, I'll just I'll ask I'll ask one more question, maybe. Yeah. Um, which is, what would you say sort of defines the movies of this era, if anything? What or what are some of the things? It's kind of crazy because for my formative years, I was. It took me from like grade seven to like twenty five years old. Like I Mm. like. I personally, I feel like viewed things in like it changed my whole perspective changed very quickly in like mm. the ten years, obviously. Mm. And so yeah. it's kind of wild, like list like thinking about how Aaron Brockovich was made in the same year as like or same time frame as No Country for Old Men, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I, you know what I mean? Yeah, I I also think so. Anyway, that's what it's kind of a trip for me. Uh, for me as well, and I. I definitely, like, have a pretty hard line in my head of when I went from, like, traditional watching, like, more, mm. like, you know, like, like, from a DVD or, like, like, that sort of thing, to having, like, you know, access to things in a way that, like, let me explore different, like, you know, like, it wasn't based on time or what was available, it was like, oh, if you like this, check this out, and, like, people talking, mm. but it was also, like, the start of the internet in the sense that, like, 300 uh, was a movie I was very interested in, um, and followed very closely when they were making it, because there was a lot of, like, really new and interesting things happening, which then, like, led to Watchmen, which also came out in this, like, same time bracket right. somehow, um, but, uh, it was this, like, really, like, pre... Well, not pre. Like, early internet shift into, like, full gear. Like, all the technology. All of the things you can do in movies to make them crazy. And, yeah, I don't know. I just, like... It's interesting when you bring up, like, romantic comedies and stuff. Because I think about movies that, like, tried to be more human about things. Because there was mm. so much digital stuff, like, trying to come in. Um, you know, Hitch was in 2005. Uh, I'm just looking up the Scorpion King. What was that? That was a piece of hot garbage. Um, like 2009 or something? 2002, right? So, like, you think of that, like, gap of time, like, like, all the advancements. Of course, um, like, this is, like, Star Wars finishes in here, right? Like, Mm -hmm. like, all those 
So that's evident there. But um, yeah. Lord of the Rings gets its little, oh, yes. its little Hobbit feet. Yeah, Harry running. Potter, Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, there's just like so much like huge, huge mm-hmm. spectacle stuff going on. And, um, I, you know, I think this is like the lead up to like the Marvel style mm. of hype and everything. Um, but also like when did Blockbuster shut down? Do we remember that? Because mm. <laughs> you bring up Blockbuster. I feel like every I, the show. last time I remember going to Blockbuster, I feel like I was like 12, 13. Yeah. I don't know. So yeah, yeah, because oh, yeah, in 2010 they child. filed they filed for bankruptcy. I remember being in university and going to Blockbuster to buy like three dollar DVDs and games and stuff, right? Like they're just trying to get rid of everything. Um, it got it got pretty sad at the end. Yeah, it got pretty sad. Yeah. I know how you hate to see your your favorite store being got, torn apart. This it way. wasn't my as my dad was devastated, like literally bummed out, like over oh. the whole thing. And he still brings, he still talks about it. Anyway, yeah, there's it was a crazy time. Yeah, I feel like that emergence of 3D and like so much mm-hmm. digital animate like computer animated movies got really big. And I feel like a lot of those big franchises did kind of lay the groundwork for the shift towards just like recycling existing IP mm-hmm. and like sequels and remakes, which I know is your absolute favorite. Love thing, it so much, scared. yeah. So it's my biggest <laughs> And on that extremely happy note, let's get into a segment we call "What You Watching." So, boys, what you been watching? Uh, Sean, do you do you have one to go first before um, we get into our thing? Yeah, this is a yeah, this is a show that I have been watching. It's the second season of Legendary, um, oh. and it is a yeah, like uh, evoking ballroom reality show where they have just like eight houses, eight to ten houses competing in. Uh, various like elements of of vogue and it's so good and you know in this house we stand house of tishi and house of Balenciaga, and i'm just like it's honestly it's very it's very mind-blowing it looks so good and i'm just like this is a reality show baby it makes me happy every single week (laughs) like i look so forward to it yeah. Okay. And on the opposite end of that is Drag Race uh, Down Under, oh. which I'm also watching week by week, and it is very hot garbage. <laughs> it makes me unhappy every week. <laughs> and it makes you unhappy every week. Oh my god. Yeah. Jared, I had no, I, I had no idea about this. Um, so uh, uh, in accordance with the hype that everyone else is watching, uh, my wife and I watched Bo Burnham's Inside, which is very, very good. Um, mm. And like... It, when a person makes a thing alone, you, you like accept a level of poorly done stuff. And that's just not here. Like he did an amazing job. Uh, I do wonder if like he had any kind of assistance at all, even in terms of like advice of like what mm. to do. Uh, just cause some of the things are so clever, like some of the lighting and stuff. And normally lighting and sound are sort of the first things to go when you don't have enough people. Yeah. Um, right. so you know, for it to be a very strong consideration and part of what he's doing is really great. Um, mm-hmm. But I want to talk about, like, everyone on TikTok and everything freaking out about Inside because mm-hmm. the whole point of TikTok is, like, bringing bits of media in to, like, reproduce and, you know, redo. And uh, everyone is just jumping on. It's like they've seen art for the first time. Like, I think that's honestly what happened to a lot of these people. But um, by engaging in this practice, they're sort of becoming the problem that Bo Burnham's trying to resolve. <laughs> in terms of like virality and like decontextualizing things, yeah. and and no, well, yeah. and not like you know, I'm just I'm sitting here on my radio show talking about his thing, and you know, all mm. this like I'm still doing it. That's it's not you know, but uh, it's still uh, it's still just a super odd and incredibly reflexive and ironic. T- twist to his whole thing just because you know he's like he's talked about like he you know he says he's fine and that things are good and maybe that was just like a moment of you know him creating something because really it is like an incredible piece of art like i like yeah you know like there's no a lot of people don't like bo burnham because he's quote unquote not a comedian and uh which is well and i think it's like the whole um uh, why can't I remember her name? Nanette. Um, oh yeah. Like 
as long as you don't Hannah put Gatsby. yeah yes as long as it's not put into a box who cares right like that's the right. you know is it a comedy special i don't know would i pay to go see her yes right like it that's not the like like don't worry about what it is enjoy the thing that the person made like that's whatever um and also like he said can you be funny in a room by yourself well i think he showed us that the answer is yes um, yeah, but like to just do a straight up and down comedy special, I think would have not been mm-hmm. at no, all interesting. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. but um, and yeah, I don't know. I, I'm just very curious to see what happens after because TikTok has a habit of dropping things like hot garbage, which is what I think will happen. Right. Like, I mean, and, uh, you know, the cycle begins anew. And in the next special he does in his garage, as opposed to that tiny room. Uh, does he make fun of the TikTok people who made fun of his him doing him doing a reaction video is the funniest joke <laughs> yeah, I maybe so have ever have seen this year and it's incredible it's so funny anyway yeah everyone should really everyone good. should watch it yeah I have now watched it two more times mm. I can't get the songs out of my head and I actually think one of the things that's so brilliant about him is he has interpolated the the sound of a lot of the music that's popular today Mm -hmm. but he also makes it like genuinely good so it's not just like a spoof on Mm -hmm. what music sounds like right now it's like his take on it that's also a commentary that's also Mm -hmm. just like a bop like it's it's so pleasing on so many and then it's like an arrangement right like an album Mm -hmm. like 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 there's notes that come up again and then in the end he sort of has something that sort of culminates every piece of the things he's done and you're like, like that's an incredible amount of skill. Like that's just yeah. But yeah. Also, I don't think anything is funnier than the songs about Jeff Bezos. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get it out of my head. Come on, Jeff, get him. Anyway, <laughs> that is all the time we have for this week. I would like to give a shout out to Saskatoon's The Garys for the use of our theme song, Manatuna, my co-hosts, Sean and Jeremy, everyone at CJTR, and to you, our beloved listeners, for lending us your ears. The show is broadcast Wednesdays at 6 p.m., rebroadcast Thursdays at noon, and we're available as a podcast on CJTR's website and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Stay safe and have a great week. Bye. See ya. Bye.